Well, thanks again for listening to the Park Hills podcast. If you want more information on things that we're doing, go to parkhillschurch.com or the Park Hills Church app. Well, hey there, Pastor Rich. Hi, Chris. What a fun, happy episode we have today. Yeah, we should talk about the one person we love so much and the death and destruction that they had to deal with on their body. Let's just, it's uplifting. The one person in history who didn't deserve to die, who did die. Yeah. So yeah, if you have kids nearby, this might be one that you pause and you come back to later. I don't know how graphic we're going to get. I mean, I know we're going to talk about crucifixion and we're going to get into some of the details, this might be a one that you just listen to first before you let your kids listen to it, but I'll leave that to your discretion. You understand them and, and who they are and what they're capable of. Uh, but we've, you've now been fully warned. Yes. So That's a public service announcement. <laughs> so crucifixion. Rich, dive into it a little bit with us. Let's, let's talk a little bit about what's happening. Because we're at the end of Mark 15, really looking at that entire chapter. Jesus' death... And, and burial is a really significant moment in human history, obviously, but crucifixion wasn't a unique thing, but the Romans perfected it. So what was it a little bit? What did it, how do we describe it? Yeah, so like you said, the, the Romans were masters at um, intimidation and really developing this mode of torture. Mm-hmm. The idea was that this would be a public execution in a horrific way that would deter people from doing anything like this. Whatever that this is, whatever they determined was wrong, they wanted people to see it. So it was public, like you said. It was along the roads, so you would see this coming into towns, uh, perhaps leaving towns, and you would have people that are hanging there. Yeah. And it was all designed to ex- be excruciating and take a long enough time that it was, y- you would never want to go through this voluntarily, that you would want to avoid this. So it wasn't even like a, a quick death, like, a, like we think of now, like with an execution or something, we mm-hmm. want it done as quickly as possible. Nope, th- this was the opposite. Yeah, and we think the Passion of the Christ is a good job of sort of describing it. We don't necessarily agree with everything theologically that the Passion of the Christ brings to the table, but the the movie, it, as far as the the torture elements, the crucifixion element, they nail it for the most part. I know you have a copy of that, so yeah, I, I own a copy of the movie, and I sometimes I don't know why because, <laughs> again, this is portraying in a very graphic way the torture and just humiliation of our mm-hmm. Lord and Savior. But I think it's good to look at it. Yeah. Just because we sometimes whitewash the story a little bit, we we don't want to dwell too much on the physical pain. We want to jump to the resurrection, which is ultimately mm-hmm. the good news. But this is where we are in the scripture. This actually happened. And one of the other interesting things about the Passion of the Christ that I appreciate, they brought up this concept of Satan lurking. If you watch the yeah. this scene, you'll see Satan. I think he's in a he's in a form that you can kind of see walking right. and, and going in the crowd and just watching what Jesus is going to do. You know, he tempted Jesus early on mm-hmm. in his baptism, said, you know, you should come kind of come follow me. Why mm-hmm. why do this? And Jesus rejected all of that. And here at the end, he's he's got the system manipulated to where um he's going through all this pain. And I think he's just watching to see is he gonna turn and he doesn't. Yeah. Jesus goes right through it. Yeah, and I think we, we need to be careful. I've heard people say over the years, you know, the Jews crucified Jesus or 
the Romans crucified Jesus. No, it, those were human contributors to a much larger narrative that's happening in the scriptures. Right. You have this individual who wants to destroy God, even though he's incapable of doing so. Perhaps he saw God in the flesh and he thought, here's my chance. This right. is what I'm going to do. And his goal was to be as brutal as he possibly could. So him working through the leaders of the day, ultimately he's the one responsible for this this act. And when you think about crucifixion, so let's get into it just a little mm-hmm. bit here. I, I, whenever I've seen, I've seen videos today of people in in other countries who nail themselves to a cross for a period of time just to sort of, you know, I don't know, to be one with Jesus or something. Yeah. But whenever I see it, they're always tied to the, the piece of wood and then they nail through their hand. Right. We we know for a fact based on there's not a lot about crucifixion in the ancient world that's written. But what is written, we know that that's not how it worked. No, no. They would typically drive the nails through the wrist because right. there's a ton of nerves there um, and it would send excruciating pain and mm-hmm. also kept them on there. You're in a, a bone that's strong enough to keep them hanging on sure. that cross. You didn't, you wouldn't have wanted to tie the hands because that gives another mode of support even. Right. So you want it just right into a nerve bundle. Um, and going through the ankles, I know yep. you'd mentioned we were talking earlier that we have evidence of ankle bones that have had spikes driven through them. So it wouldn't even have gone through the feet. Right. Gone through the ankles, again, excruciating pain. And the whole idea is to slowly suffocate. Yep. So you make it so that you're in pain to relieve yourself, your body, relieve the, the tension on your lungs so you can breathe. And doing so, you're putting stress on three nail points in your yep. body. And then to take that pressure off, you slump down. And you start to suffocate mm-hmm. and you keep doing this for almost every breath. Yeah. And not only that with, with Jesus, as I started thinking about this, his started quite a while yeah. before here. Uh, so like if we're doing an extreme physical event, we train, we get ready, we eat right, we, we rest. Well, he was going through this event, but he started off in the garden knowing this was coming. Sure. So he went 24, 28 hours without sleep, without food. So he's already in a weakened state. He then goes in a couple of trials, mock trials, and is beaten and flogged and crowned of thorns. So his body is literally wrecked. As we mentioned, you know, you get 39 whips. One more causes death. So they just back off by one. (laughs) So instead of 40, we're only going to do 39. Then we're going to have you go carry this cross, which it could have been just the top cross piece or could have been the whole thing. They've done both ways. Yep. and then we're going to have you drag this through the city so you're even more exhausted, you're beat up, your body is is completely wrecked. If a human being goes through everything he went to pre-cross, you're not sure they're going to make it back mm-hmm. in the day. And then they nail him. Totally. And then he's hanging. This is a really brutal, brutal um, situation for him. Yeah. I mean, it's multiple death penalties stacked on top of each other. Yeah. And the fact that he died as quickly on the cross as he did, I mean, he... His 39 lashes with the cat of nine tails, the, I don't think the robbers that were on the cross on either side of him would have gone through that same thing. So I'm a little surprised that Pilate is surprised he's dead already, considering all that Jesus has gone through and the fact that it's been multiple days of of perhaps sleeplessness or getting close. Because, right, it, this this for sure starts the morning of the, the Passover meal with his disciples. However, we don't know if it started he might have started sleeping very rest, restlessly a couple of days before knowing this is it. This is the moment, you know, here we come. So you stack all those things on. The fact that he lives this long is amazing. I'm pretty convinced that Satan 
is trying to break him, make him unsatisfactory. You know, I think about there's a number of Old Testament prophets that talk about how the sacrifice needs to be perfect in all mm-hmm. these different ways. It wouldn't surprise me if Satan's goal was to break Jesus to a point where he's no longer satisfactory uh, to be the sacrifice that he needs to be. Uh, you know, none of that can be proved, and we can't you know, dig into, and I don't really want to dig into the mind of, of our greatest enemy. Right. But but there's a the piece here where you think about him lurking in the crowd, you think about him using the Roman officials, you think about him using some of the Jewish officials, you think about him pushing the buttons and getting God to the point where God dies on the cross and him thinking he won victory. Yeah. But you've got so much more going on and the fact that Jesus is not only bearing the weight that you just mentioned, but he's also got the weight of the sins of the world on his shoulders. He he is being crushed by the the pain and the agony and the weight of that moment, but he's doing it for us. I think about the disciples, you know, the and I know you do too often, we especially with the the ladies that are standing here watching, what are they going through? What are they thinking? What are they processing? We we don't know for sure. But you know, in your mind, what are some theories? What what are some of the things they're looking at, thinking about when they see Jesus going through this. Yeah, well, and first off, we have to remember, again, as we mentioned, this was public, they were typically naked when this was happening. Completely, yeah. Which is a humiliating um, aspect. So he's he's on this cross, he's naked, he's bleeding, his body is, he, parts of it are probably almost unrecognizable. Yep. He's not this clean, washed individual anymore. And they're standing there, and I could, I could imagine just the horror of watching this. Yep. I could imagine them asking the question, why doesn't he come down? Sure. You know, we have heard, we have seen him heal people and restore people in calm seas and storms. Why doesn't he? Right. And and it's possible that maybe they're actually reflecting back on what Jesus had told them, that he was going to the cross. Right. This was going to happen and he was going to be resurrected. Um, I I don't know. I go back to, to Mark 8. Um, and I'll start in, in 31 and says, and he began to teach them that the son of man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders and the chief priests and the scribes and be killed. And after three days rise again. And then the next verse, it says, and he said this plainly, mm-hmm. there was no parable here. No. And so it's very possible. I think that the, these three women are the ones who are remembering this going, okay, he said this was going to happen. And he has done some amazing things, so maybe we just have to wait and see. Yeah, you know, the other disciples that took off, um, I could only imagine the fear. You know, mm-hmm. just the human reaction of seeing the one that you've called Lord going through this. It would be totally natural for that fear to to develop, to run, to run, want to hide, and not be part of this at all. Yeah. Um, so I don't. I don't throw any, you know, disparaging thoughts on the disciples. I don't know how I would react in that way either mm-hmm. because it doesn't it says much later that after his resurrection he opened up the scriptures and then they began to see and really understand and that's where you find them bold. Right. So at this moment you've got this this man that they love, they also recognize he's the son of God suffering in this intense way. There's blood there's very likely there may have been bone that was visible. He's barely breathing before he dies, rasping breath. And they've got to just be going, what's going on? Yeah. Now, one of the things that, that struck me is this is during the Passover time, right? Mm-hmm. And we're not far from the temple. Right. And so were sacrifices happening with the animals at this particular time? It's very possible. 
if they weren't then, they were going to be heading that way. Mm-hmm. And so I don't think it's, you know, a coincidence, so to speak. I would look at it as divine irony that the one pure, perfect lamb is on the cross in this mm-hmm. shape. And other people are taking their animal sacrifices mm-hmm. that they've been commanded to take to the temple. And when he dies, it eliminates the need for those animals completely. Yeah. He is the perfect sacrifice. Yeah, there's something beautiful in that message. So moving back to, to the idea of crucifixion, a couple other things that we need to probably throw out here is this always happened on, on the city road as mm-hmm. you walked into the city. So as you're mentioning, sacrifices could be walking by. You've got people walking by within... You know, I, I mean, I know people harassed people on the cross, so they threw rocks at them sometimes, or they they yelled insults, they mocked mm-hmm. them, wagged their uh, tongues at the yeah, yeah. They did all of that. Then, as as Mark mentions, you know, they would grab a sponge, which is like the toilet stick, and they would put wine on it, and they'd stick yeah. it in their face, and you know, smear it all over their body, and smudge them with it. So you've got just a really terrible. It, it's not. It's it's so humiliating and excruciating, all of it at once. Like we said, the Romans mm-hmm. mastered this. The, the Persians, the Indians, and I mean the, the nation of India, not, not Native Americans, the Persians, the Indians, the Assyrians, they all used crucifixion in different ways. Uh, in some ways, it's not different than maybe a lynching today, sort of this idea of even that along the city street, making sure that people know you're not going to mess with us in this way. Right. And so the, the Greeks and the Romans took that and they took it to the next level. They made sure, especially the Romans, made sure nobody's going to do what this guy just did. No one's going to say that they're king of whatever. No one's going to say, you know, how powerful they are. We're going to show you how brutally we can kill you off. Right. So you've got all of that happening. And then on top of that, we do have some some accounts of that excruciating pain in the wrist and in the ankle. And, and yeah, you mentioned the, the bone. There's a bone in the Jerusalem Museum that has the stake through it, which is really interesting. Um so we know they went through the ankle. So you can imagine you're you're starting to fill up with with blood or or water in your lungs. You can't breathe. There's accounts of people passing out, only to wake up because of the survival instinct and gasping for air and standing upon the, you know, the stake that's in their ankles, pushing off on that just to get a deep breath, and then from the pain of that passing out again. So you can almost imagine Jesus being in such a weakened state at times, maybe being delirious or not being fully with himself, so to speak. And the people watching this thinking, why isn't he doing something? Why isn't he fixing this? And little do they know, as we mentioned, he's also got the weight of the world upon his shoulders. He's saving everybody. The very people that are doing this to him, he's giving them a route to meet his father face to face in the temple, which is just insane to think about that, how, how crazy this is. But there's so many articles. I know we, we both looked at some medical articles before this, and there's a number of other journal articles and things like that. It, it was a cruel practice, but it was very effective in what it did. Yeah. It, it, it accomplished the purpose. You looked at the person up there and you thought, I never want to have to go through that. So I'm going to follow the rules. I'm going to step in line. I'm going to do things just the way the Romans want me to do it because this is like the worst possible death I could die. Yeah. And yet before this, also in 8, Jesus says, and calling to the crowd, uh, calling the crowd to him with his disciples, he said to them, "If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross mm-hmm. and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake and the gospels will save it." Mm-hmm. So, Jesus is saying, "If you want to follow, you might have to go down this path." And we use this phrase, "Take up my cross." I probably, I'm not probably, absolutely too lightly. 
you know, we may think we've got some difficulty. Well, that's my cross to bear. No, it's not. Not until someone has driven spikes through your hands right. or your, your wrists and you're suffocating and you've been tortured, naked, and humiliating. Yeah. But that's what he's actually calling his people to. And yet he's saying that out of that, there's something beautiful. Yep. Your life will actually be saved if you're willing to endure that kind of punishment for his sake. Mm-hmm. This doesn't mean we should go seek that kind of pain and punishment. Sure. sure. But if we're being persecuted for proclaiming God, because that's what he was proclaiming, is he is the he is the way to to God, we should be able to expect that this is a possibility for us. Mm-hmm. And I've ha- heard that phrase, you know, God has a wonderful plan for your life. And I always want to add the statement, which could include torture, death, disowning, um, being disowned by your family, mm-hmm. you know. It, that doesn't make it quite as rosy. We sometimes think of it, oh, he's going to bless us. Or yeah. you may end up going to the cross. Yeah. Um, I don't think we do a lot of crucifixions anymore, but mm-hmm. we may experience some very difficult times. And Jesus has called us to that way. But the other thing is we just, sometimes we take those words and again, we we wear crosses. Yeah. Like we wear torture devices on us as a symbol of of, of faith, which is interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, we may cheapen it a little bit. Because sometimes I think we go too far to where we just kind of blow through that part of the scripture yep. and want to get to the resurrection. But all of this really happened. Yeah, He really suffered. Mm-hmm. Or we will spend so much time on it that we forget that he actually did it to to forgive us from our sins. Yeah, All of our sins. Yeah, it, That it, it doesn't make any sense. No, it really doesn't. But it, it comes back to that idea that suffering might very well come to us as Christians. And we live in a world that is so com- comfort yeah. heavy. It's looking for opportunities to feel good and to never be hurting. And so then we're surprised when we follow Jesus and something doesn't go right. Mm-hmm. Whereas the scriptures aren't telling us not to follow God even through the difficult times. It's, it's saying follow him all the time. Yeah, sometimes great things are going to happen to you. But in the middle of that, if we go, Jesus is perfectly in the will of God at this moment. Yeah. And he's suffering brutally. It's, you're going to probably go through this. We've got an enemy who's lurking in the shadows who wants to try to take us out. Someone's probably going to turn their back on you. Someone's going to be mean to you. And when you think about you know, sin in general, I've had some people come to me and just say, well, should I seek out suffering? No, because typically what we do then is we just go back to the habits that we used mm-hmm. to do. Because some suffering is self-inflicted. You know, If you're using a substance or you're doing something terrible that's going to hurt your spouse in some way, you're, you're just, you're bringing a wound upon yourself. It's a period of time where that's going to come out and you're going to be broken. No, stop. Stop doing right. any of that. What we're talking about is just following God is going to sometimes lead you to a place of uncomfort. You're going to get to a spot where it's not going to feel right. It's going to, you're going to wish that you weren't going through it, but you're going to know you're going through it because you're following God. Right. Not the opposite, which is don't follow God and you'll go through all these things. You know, I have people that come to me and say they have dreams about their experiences from the past where all of a sudden they're caught again. You know, someone catches them doing what they're not supposed mm-hmm. to be doing or they they experience the the embarrassment and the fear and the shame of all of that and they wake up in a cold sweat and they go, I'm not I'm not going back. Well, that's beautiful that God's using that dream to sort of remind you not to go back to that. We're not talking about that. We're talking about something totally different. You're you're following Jesus might cause you to lose your job. You following right. Jesus might cause someone to turn their back on you or to say something mean to you. You might be misunderstood by your spouse or your children. You might be, you might have moments where you have to really work through, this is what it looks like for me to follow Jesus today. Right. And we say that when, 
you know, I'm gonna, I'll bear my cross because our, our wife looked at us funny or our husband said something yeah. mean. No, that's not the cross that you're bearing. We're talking about something way different, which is saying what God wants you to do is, is of utmost importance to yeah. me. So I'm going to chase after him in this way. Yeah, and one of the things we have to just think about and, and actually be thankful for. So Jesus said that we may be willing, may have to be willing to take our cross. That means that's the ultimate is what he went through. Anything less than that is literally a blessing. Right. Right. And, and we we may experience difficulty. There's a tremendous emotional pain that can come from following God. But at the same time, the blessings are amazing mm-hmm. because when we think of, of God's economy, so to speak, our life starts after death. For eternity, we are in his presence. And so what he's asking us is, are we willing to suffer while we're on this earth up to this particular point? Yep. We, we can't do any more than what he did, which is also, I think, part of the reason why it was so brutal. We could never go, well, I had it much tougher than Jesus. Nope, right. he didn't. Right. He had all the physical pain and then all the emotional pain of bearing all of our sins, your sins and even my sins. Mm-hmm. And then that was what he went through. It makes so much more sense than in the garden where he's saying and bleeding, saying, you know, if there's any other way, but if there's not, I'll do it. Yep. And, and Mark is heavy on suffering. So are the Gospels in general. And part of that is the early church had to really suffer. They, yeah. A number of them died of crucifixion. A number of them were put to death by other people because Jesus says in John, the world is going to hate you. It hated me first. It's going to hate you too. Mm-hmm. So for us to go through these things, to go through persecution, seeing Jesus go through suffering and do so in a way that honors God still should make us want to do the same. Right. And so in the middle of that, we have to stop and think, life in the first century was really hard. We have it super easy. And then when we complain about persecution or we complain about things not going our way, man, it really irks me. Because here I'm looking at our Savior on the cross suffering for us, and we are just flipping about it. Yeah. So I don't love that. I don't love the idea of us being flippant about it. Let's focus our attention on him. Let's follow him all the way, even if it means hard things down the road.